All right, we're gonna talk tonight. We've done a couple different things. Uh, sorry, there was a. That was so nice. Sorry, it was jellyfish. Two weeks ago, we talked about. Do you remember? No. Loneliness. Loneliness. People are very lonely. We looked at the statistics. We did. We looked at loneliness in. Uh, in people, and it is often true amongst Christians, okay, and many other people, okay, and then we looked last week at, Jacob talked about it, anger, yes, no, yeah, yes, you did, Not all right, the, yeah, last week, yeah, last week, so, these are problems. We've been talking about problems you encounter as a, maybe a believer. These are things that are common in the world, um, anywhere, with anybody, but maybe even as a believer, you encounter these things. These are struggles you might have. You might experience loneliness. You might experience struggle with anger, that you feel like you're so angry you could beat the world. Okay? <laughs> yes, like that. Today we're going to talk about a couple, I'm going to ball a couple of these things together. No pun intended. First is stress. Oh. <laughs> Did you get that? <laughs> right? Anxiety. Coupled with fear, because that's anxiety really is fear of many things, right? Fear that something's going to happen. Stress is, I'm in the middle of it and I can't handle it. And one more, this is part of the trifecta here, depression. I'm in the middle of a very stressful time. These things are always going to happen to me and I can't ever get out of it, okay? That's the kind of feeling that many people have. And this is a huge problem in the world. Across the entire world, the human race deals with things. And so, I gave you a little clue. Stress balls. Stress balls, right? That's the one thing. Everybody, nobody ever heard of a stress ball before, whatever, 1990, 1985. They didn't exist. Because what the world is a stress ball. Who has stress? Nobody cares, right? You just deal with it, right? But then they give you the squishy thing. You can go, Ooh, and supposedly get rid of your stress, right? I'm so angry, I'm gonna squish this phone ball. It does work. <laughs> it does not really. No, it really doesn't. There are many, many things that the world offers to try to get rid of your stress, to try to get rid of your anxiety. One they, thing they say is, Exercise! Yeah. Do yoga so I'm stretching and putting my head on the floor and flipping around and doing crazy stretches and bends and holding myself there. And truthfully, though there may be some temporary relief from it, if you really truly have a deep stress, a deep anxiety, or a deep depression, just exercising and stretching your body might make you feel a little better physically, but it is not going to necessarily help you, okay, in a deep, true set of anxiety, stress, fear, depression, okay? You can also go and pay in this place to take a baseball bat, <laughs> and they have computers and printers and all sorts of things. Right? Relieve your stress. That's what they say. Come and relieve your stress. There is also a cool theme park. I think you could pay, I don't know, three or four hundred dollars last time I checked, which is a long time ago I checked. You can go and they put a car in front of you and they put you in a big excavator and you could smash and crush. Car. See? <laughs> You're like, I want to try that one. <laughs> so you pay to smash it all up, and then they haul it away and get money for scrap, anyways, right? So it's a good deal. You pay, and then somebody else pays. And all they have to do is provide 
you some gasoline, some diesel, to crush it up, okay? Another big thing, which is huge these days, is stress service animals. <laughs> you could have a service rabbit or a service cat. <laughs> Which seems like it would be more stressful than or a sort of snake. Snakes, like I'm not sure how you're training them to be uh, <laughs> like stress relieving you. I'm not gonna bite you. I don't know. Okay, uh, so it is proven. They have done studies and they've watched different levels of stress and levels of different things in your blood because there are physical things that happen when you live under stress. People, when they live under stress and feel like they're constantly doing, like always in this stressful mood or always in this anxiety mood or always in depression, there are chemicals in your body that can follow and they can do bad things to your body. Over time, people with huge amounts of stress have heart attacks, okay, and strokes, and problems with uh, their health because chemicals will follow your mental state for, for some time and they will affect you, okay? So it's a real thing that you can be stressed out, right? I have seen this little thing. They had a little card. You could put your finger on it and you're supposed to hold your finger on it and it will tell you whether you're in a stressed out mood or not or by what color it changes. Yeah. You know. I mean, all these things aren't really truly what they do, uh, but you know, they say you can pet a cat and if you pet a cat for a certain amount of time, it actually lowers your stress. They say it lowers your stress by petting a cat. Thus, it must be why all of the evil figures in all of the cartoons are always petting cats. They're highly stressed, right? Doing wrong things all the time. Pet, pet, pet the cat. Okay? Also watching uh, goldfish in a tank or fish in a tank. Supposedly is a reducing of stress. So there are things that can happen, but you know what happens more often? These days, many people go to a doctor because they feel stressed. They feel pains, they feel these things. You go to a doctor and the doctor ends up giving them medicine, okay? There are times where medicine is appropriate. There are times where people actually literally have a chemical imbalance that causes uh, depression rather than just something uh, of the battle of their mind, okay? But I think many times out there that before you ever get down that trail and down that road, there is a much uh, better way to look at things. Dealing with your stress, the Bible talks about all the time. It talks about stress. It talks about people that are stressed, okay? And you need to understand that Stress and depression is often a battle of your mind and your spirit. That is the first place that I would look before I would ever go to any other place. Is there something that's causing me stress? Is there something that's causing me to break down? Okay, we have seen people live under stress in their life and not break down. So, what might be their secret? We're going to look at a couple of those people tonight. Um, we're going to talk about the story of Joseph. Joseph is in the book of Genesis. We will turn there for a couple of verses. But let's just talk through his story. You remember this. Joseph is a young man. He's a teenager about your age. Okay? About your age. And as he is a young man, his father likes him best. Okay? Yeah. So there's a little bit of stress in the family already because he gets treated differently 
than his brothers and sisters. Okay? He has several, many other brothers, 11 to be exact, other brothers. Okay? That's a lot of brothers. And just that might cause stress at times with all the personalities living in the same tent hold. Like a household, but tents, I guess. All right, so they're living in this all this same environment, and there's little Joseph. He gets treated better than everybody else. He got his special coat from his dad, treated better than everybody else. So that really begins this life of stress. His brothers, then, as you know, sell him into slavery, right? That's pretty stressful, right? And as he walks from somewhere in the land of Israel and is taken as a slave, probably bound up and walking on foot all the way to Egypt, hundreds and hundreds of miles on foot, that's pretty stressful. Do you think maybe he might have questioned God, why am I, am I in this? You know, that seems like a reasonable question. Why did I just get sold into slavery? Are they going to kill me? Are they going to do something awful to me? Am I going to be forced to do a life of hard labor in someone's field in Egypt? And I wouldn't say it's exactly cool in Egypt, right? Hot. In the sun, you're a slave. What do you get? Just go to work. So he gets down there. And it must have been pretty, pretty stressful to stand up on the auction block and be sold in a language you've never spoken before. Okay? But he does, and he's sold. And he is sold to Potiphar, as you know, the story goes, right? And he works in Potiphar's house, probably hard labor to begin with. And as time goes on, he is no doubt there for multiple years. His teen years. Never gets to be a real teen, right? Because there he is, scrubbing the floors, digging the ditches, doing the field work, taking care of the animals. And his boss is watching, and he decides he's going to be faithful. Is he stressed out? I don't know. There were probably days he felt stressed out. But overall, he decided he was going to do the right thing. He was going to, even though the wrong thing was done to him, it was wrong that he was sold into slavery. But he's going to do the right thing. He lives through it. Then he gets raised up in Potiphar's house. He is now taking care of everything in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife says, Oh, I like you. And tries to seduce him. Tries to get him to go to bed with her. And she, he says, No, no, I'm not doing that. Potiphar trusts me. You're the only thing that I can't have in this whole household. He trusts me. And she says, no, no, come with me, come with me. And he runs away, leaving his coat behind. And she's angry after she's done it day after day after day, tried to get him, tried to get him to stay with her. And instead now, he, he leaves her coat behind, his coat behind. She takes it and says, here's evidence he was trying to seduce me. And so because he worked for the captain of Pharaoh's bodyguard, like the secret police, okay, works for this guy, he's his slave, he goes into Pharaoh's jail. Pharaoh has a jail for his servants and his people. And he gets put in that place, wrongfully accused again. He thought he was making it, right? Think about that. As he's being taken to jail and put into jail, the first night you spend in jail, no doubt, could be in danger from other, from other prisoners. Could be in danger, doesn't know if his life's going to be taken. At any point, Pharaoh can say, wipe him out, clean him out, I need some room in the jail. Get rid of him. So every day, 
What does he decide to do? He decides to live and do the right thing still. And so he raises up in the jail and the, and the head jailkeeper says, I'm going to put you in charge of this and that and this, all the other prisoners, because you're trustworthy and you do the right thing. And then one day, he interprets a couple dreams for Pharaoh's servants. The baker, he says, I'm sorry, <laughs> off with your head in a couple of days, you're done. But the butler, the servant, the direct servant, you're going to go back and the Pharaoh's going to put you back into service. He's going to say, good job, good job. When you do that, just remember me. I'm in jail, I was wrongfully accused, I never did it. Well, two more years he waits because the butler forgot all about him. I'm all set and I'm not talking about that Joseph guy. I don't even care about that Joseph guy. I got out, I, this is what happened to me, right? Until one day Pharaoh has a dream. Eventually, and Joseph doesn't know anything about this, he just says, Here's new clothes, shave, clean yourself up, and come with us. Am I going to be executed? Am I going to be made an example of? He is then asked to interpret the dream for Pharaoh and given second in command of all of Egypt. They think that his journey from being a teenager to the time he got there was somewhere between 13 years, 15 years, maybe more longer than that. That's a long time to live in a very stressful environment. A slave and then a prisoner. Both, you were never born as that slave. You were sold into slavery by your brothers. That's pretty low, right? Might be angry at them for that. Might be a little stressed out that you were taken and walked a few hundred miles to Egypt. You might get depressed when the butler forgets him. Right? But how does he react? That's where we're going to look in Genesis chapter number 45. Genesis chapter 45, verse number 4 through 8. Genesis 45, verse number 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8, please. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. And now, now therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither. For God did... For these two years have the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earth earing nor harvest. Verse 7. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not that sent me hither by God, and he hath made me go, made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout the land of Egypt. Okay, so here he is, and Joseph has lived a very stressful life, and Joseph got beat up, and Joseph had a lot of things done wrong to him by his brothers. And he now stands over top of them as basically ruler in Egypt. And he has a choice of what he's going to do. He has been stressed. He has lived in anxiety for what is going to be my next day. Where's my next meal going to come from? What are the things going to happen to me? Am I going to get accused again? Am I going to be beheaded? And depressed because everyone's forgotten me. I am sitting alone in this jail cell. Even though I got to be a leader in the jail, I'm still in jail. I'm not free. All those things boil up over those years. 
And if you let them become what is you look at the misjustices that happen, there will be things that happen in your life. There will be those little things. Your family may not treat you right, always, okay? They may say things to you or do to things to you that might make you angry, that might legitimately make you stressed out or bring anxiety in your life, change the way you think, might bring depression, might make you feel ostracized, all right? They might do that to you. But what do you choose to do with it? You can live in stress and fear and depression and anxiety and allow it to overcome you in the battle of your mind, in the battle of your spirit. You can allow it to define you. Or when that comes, you can understand something else is happening. And that's what he said. You thought you did this to me. And you did. But don't be angry at yourself. Don't be sorry. God planned this out from step one, from me going out there and you selling me into slavery all the way up through. So even though you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. He changed it into something good. He created a pathway to get me to the place he wanted me to go. And it was hard. So how did Joseph deal with each day? We see the long game. He chose, right? He chose to trust in God's plan. That's what Joseph said. I will trust in God's plan over the long time. All those things are not less frustrating, not less stressful, not less depressing that someone just forgot him, even after all those years in prison. They're not less depressing, but he chose to trust in God's plan over that time. And so that's really the question for you and for me. What is in your life? Why is your family who they are? Why do you have the struggles that you have? Why do you uh, have things in your life that other people don't have? You might have a particular struggle. You might have somebody that doesn't treat you right. You might have a feeling of depression or what's going to happen next. And the question is, to, to begin with, Joseph has the long look. This is God's plan. I can trust and say, even though all of these bad things happen to me, God is still in control. Okay? God is in charge. He is in control. All right? Now, David. King David. We're going to fast forward a little bit to King David. King David had great, huge ups and downs in his life. He killed the giant Goliath, right? Fantastic young man, probably about your age again. And he goes out and he does this great feat of faith. And then he goes in and he's with the king and the king does it and then all of a sudden the king starts chasing after him. And that's pretty stressful. When someone is after your life, they're chasing you with an army across country trying to kill you. That's pretty stressful, right? You could be depressed, and David did get, did get depressed. David spent time where he, he thought, I can't handle this anymore. I don't know what to do. And no doubt Joseph had his days and his times where he felt that. So Psalm number 77, let's go look at David's response to stress as he's being chased. He's had these great big ups and then some terrible downs, big crashes. Psalm 77. I'll start with verse 1 and we're going to read through verse 9. I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. 
Verse 2. In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not my not my soul refused to be comforted. Okay, so I wouldn't be comforted. I could not settle my my spirit down. My my heart was just ugh, no matter what happened. Verse 3, please. I remember God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Okay, so he says, stop and think because I have been so overwhelmed. I felt like that in my life where there is no matter what I do. I felt those moments where it's like I'm on a train and it's going so fast and so hard and there's no way off. I can't do it. I can't stop. I can't say no in these things. I can't stop any of my life circumstances. It's just faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. And there's no way out. And I felt that overwhelmed, all right? Overwhelming things are something where you stop and you think about this and you just say, I don't know what to do. And David's reaching out and saying, I'm finished, God. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know where to go. Okay, next verse, please. Though holdest my eyes waking, I am so troubled that I cannot speak. No words. Keep going. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean, gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Has he sh in anger shut up his tender mercies? So, Selah, and that's where... This is the thing. This is a real thought from many people. Did God forget? Is he angry at me? Is he not speaking to me? He doesn't seem to answer. I keep asking him to answer me, and I get nothing. I cry out to God, I get nothing. I try to fight through it, I stay up, I try to sing a song, I try to read the scripture, I try to do these things, and I get nothing. There are moments in life and times and sometimes seasons in life, and they can go on for some time, where it seems like God's not even answering. Here's what you need to think during those times. And this is where David goes. Verse number 10 and 11, as we go on with the story. And I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. Okay, here it is. I feel terrible. It's my infirmity, my, my sickness, my disease, my issues that I'm having. This is it. I'm in it. But I will remember that God was good. God did do miracles. God did do things. In olden days, he did things. That great and powerful and mighty God is the same powerful, mighty God that is with me in this time. I don't feel it, but I will remember it. And so with that, in that middle of that battle, right, choosing to trust in God's plan, remember... Uh, what God has done. What God did for me in the past and for others. God is in these things. So when we have these stressful times and stressful moments, what is it that God did for me? He didn't abandon me my whole life. I didn't always feel like I feel now. David said that. I didn't always feel like this, but I feel like it now, and it's real, and it's true in my heart, and I don't know how else to answer to just say, this is it, this is how I feel. 
And so he writes this entire psalm about feeling just outcast and, and cannot get to God. And he just feels like he's empty, right? But I choose to remember that God has been there. So though it may not seem like it, I choose still to trust in God's plan and remember God has worked in my life. So we see what Joseph chose, right? He chose to say, this is God's plan. It was a terrible ride. But there was a reason. And the reason was to get me where I needed to be. And he says, I'm able to protect you as a family now because I'm in Egypt. We all probably would have died of starvation if we didn't, if God didn't give me the wisdom to be here to put away the crops for Egypt so that there's somewhere in this region that has food. Put away for seven years all this extra food and everybody in the region came to Egypt because that's the only place left with food because they were the only place that stored it for that long. So God was at work even though it was a hard, long pathway to get there. Many years for Joseph. And God is still out there even though it feels like he isn't at moments where he's not answering. All right? He's not telling you what it is that you, makes you feel like, oh, he's right there and it's, it's good. Right? He's still there. Now, let's go ahead into when we start to look at what does this mean into the book of John. There's another moment of stress in the Bible that we're going to highlight. And this is the moment, John chapter 14. What? You opened right to it? Excellent. Uh, John chapter 14. We're going to look at verse number 27. But understand what this is. If you look at... Uh, you guys don't have red letter editions, but... Um, you do? Okay. So if you have a red letter edition, you go to John chapter 14. What do you see? <laughs> How much red lettering? Lots of red lettering. This is Jesus talking during the Last Supper. He is his last moments before. Jesus is about ready to go be sacrificed and die. He's going to go into the Garden of Gethsemane. He has great pressure on him. Right? Great pressure. Great stress. Terrible things that are going to happen to him beyond what any of us have ever seen or will see as a human. Okay? He is about ready to undergo the sins of the entire world, put them all on himself, and take the burden. So much so that he says, if it's another way, please make it happen, God. But if not, this is it, right? And that's pretty intense for Jesus to say that. He knows these are happening. The disciples sort of know and feel. And he keeps saying, I'm not going to be with you. I'm not going to be with you. I'm not going to be with you, right? I'm going to give you the comforter. The Holy Spirit's coming. I'm leaving, but I'm giving you. And so they're starting to be confused and like, what's happening? Anxiety about, I don't understand what you're talking about. And in a few short hours, he'll be dead. And these disciples are going to go from the highest high they've ever had to crash in the lowest low in one day. They're going to see Christ taken to the cross and tortured and killed. In 24 hours, he'll be gone. They're going to watch him be buried. And their lives are going to be shattered. And all of a sudden, the Roman government's after them. The, the Jewish leaders are after them. Everybody's after them, right? Before, it was like, we're with Jesus. And Jesus, we're going to be okay with Jesus. And now Jesus is gone in one day. Talk about stress. Talk about anxiety. What is going on? And this is what Jesus tells them. John chapter 14, verse number 27, please. I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Give I unto you. 
Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Okay, so here it is. You are in a, a stress. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't have anxiety. Don't have fear. Don't be stressed out. Don't be troubled. Okay? I give you peace. That's what he says. I'm, I'm giving you this. Not like I'm handing you a stress ball and saying, squeeze it a bunch of times, you'll be fine. Do this yoga move and you'll be great. That's not what Jesus says. Not as the world gives, give I unto you, right? Pet the cat and you'll be fine. No, no, no. This is something much deeper, much more deep. I told you that the, the battle of stress and anxiety and fear and depression is a battle of the mind and the spirit. He says, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit, and in that I give you my Holy Spirit, I am giving you my peace. I'm giving you the ability in the midst of a hard battle that you will fight. I'm giving you permission not to have a fight in it. You're going to walk through it. You're going to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Standing in the fiery furnace and not afraid. Not touched by the flames. Your clothes don't even smell like smoke. You stood in the middle of a furnace. The guys that pushed you in the furnace died because it was so hot. And you're going to walk right through it. And that's the way you are going to be, he says. I'm going to give you my peace. Not like the world. The world gives you all these options for peace. They're going to medicate you. They're going to give you something to pet or something to squeeze or something to smash. Because I'm not giving you peace like that. I'm giving you something deeper. A deeper understanding. And this is what I'm telling you that before Jesus walked the earth, men like Joseph and David, women like Ruth and Naomi and Esther, went in the face of high anxiety, high stress environments, walked in and had peace. Not that they never felt things. They felt the struggle. They felt the battle. They felt the daily things. But in their mind and their heart, they settled to choose to trust God's plan. To choose to remember what God had done and have no fear because God will take me to the place I need to be. Regardless, I don't need to worry. I don't need to fear. I don't need to stress about this. I'm going to walk through this. This is the way God offers this peace. Jesus says, you take my peace, not like the world gives. I give you peace. And when I give you peace, it is something very special, very unique. Okay? Philippians chapter number 4. Described a little bit more by a man named Paul. Philippians chapter 4, where we're going to finish up tonight in Philippians chapter 4. Understand this. Paul created a great deal of stress for many people. He went and he persecuted the church. Alright? He did some nasty things. But then Paul was beaten and beaten and beaten and kicked around. And he got the, the snot kicked out of him time and time again. Literally, he was beaten with rods. He was beaten with cat of nine tails. With 39 lashes of a cat of nine tail. And the reason they gave him 39 lashes is because people died with 40. So they said, we're going to give everybody mercy. We'll give you 40 minus 1. So you'll be just that close to dying. And some people could die because it's so terrible and ripping and tearing on you. He did it five times. Happened to him. They took him outside of a city and stoned him. And they thought he was dead. And they dragged him out of the city and he woke up. <laughs> Which must have been a pretty stressful day, right? And that's it. Yeah. He's lowered over the basket, running for in, in a wall, running for his life. He is shipwrecked. He is accused. He says he's 
fought wild animals and beasts and robbers and all sorts of things. There's an entire list that Paul goes through. And this is what Paul says about stress in his life. There's a special thing, he says. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6 and 7. This is what Paul says. This is what I found. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay, so here it is. Be careful for nothing. It's kind of a funny way to say it, but that means don't stress. Don't have anxiety about anything. Don't spend all your care about this or that. He says, just let it go. Do this. Pray to God with your requests, because you're going to have them. You're going to be stressed like David. You're going to be... In jail like Joseph, hopefully not too many here, but you're going to have struggles. You're going to have hardships. You're going to be, uh, you're going to be left behind by people. You're going to be betrayed by people. You're going to have those things happen. You may have physical things nasty happen to you. He said, and God wants you to reach out to him in those moments. And then God wants you to do this. Let it go. Leave it in his hands. Let him handle it. Don't be anxious. Don't say, I prayed about it and God's not doing nothing. I'm praying. God's not doing anything. I'm praying. God's not listening. No, no, no. Don't live with the stress and the fear and the depression. Oh, nobody ever cares about me. Put it in front of God. Your request Say, God, this is what I want. I am thankful that you listened to me. I'm so grateful that you are in charge in my life. I'm grateful for what you've done in my life. Remember what you did in my life. I know you have a plan, and I'm going to leave it up to you. And that's it. And he says, if you leave it to God, and you say, it's not my hands, it's not my control, but it's in your hands and in your control, he said, and then when you do that, the peace of God comes in you. My peace, Jesus' peace, not as the world gives, give I unto you, right? The peace of God passes all understanding, which means it won't even make sense why you're not worried about it. It won't make sense. Because everybody in the world will look at you and say, she's going through this, he's got all that happening in his life, he should be struggling with all of this. And for some reason, he's not. She doesn't seem to react to this. But what they don't know, and what they don't understand, is that you have put your request before God, and you said, God, here's what I would love to do. Here's what I'd love, but I know you're in control. I know you're in charge, and I'm going to let you handle it. And I'm not going to worry about it. Be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. I'd like this to go away in my life. I don't think it's fair. I don't want it to happen anymore. I don't want it to be. But God, I'm going to let you do it and handle it. And then, inside the spirit of your being through your mind it says your mind and heart right keep your hearts and minds shall and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ there is a connection there is a spiritual work that is done at that moment that you give it up the battles won and you say you got it, God. Whatever it is you want me to do, you're going to have to take me to that place. I cannot control this. I'm not going to control this. You can. I need to not have this stress. And God melts it away and says, you got it. And I'm going to give you peace in the midst of a battle. You're going to have peace. Everybody's going to look at you and say, that doesn't even make sense. How can they, not, how can they have grace under fire like that? Whether you're being accused of something or whatever, how can they live that way? 
And you could say, God, I, I've given it to you. I can't do anything else. It's a hard moment, but that's when the battle is won. God, I'd love to be out of this. I'd love to do not do this anymore, but I'm going to leave it to you. And his peace will come on to you because Jesus promised it. My peace, I will leave you. And Paul says, and it's not going to make sense when it happens, but it's beyond understanding. And the stress and the fear and the depression can go. Because those are and no longer your battle. Don't need them. It's, it's a symptom of a battle not won. All right? Because I haven't given this to God yet. Sometimes it's every little circumstance we have to work through. Right? So it's a symptom of that. How do you fill this battle in your mind and continue to work it? And that's the next two verses. Continue to do this, right? How do you clear anxiety and clear depression? We've talked about giving it over to God. We've talked about trusting. And then there are these two verses that Paul says, and do this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do and the God of peace shall be with you. Okay? God's going to be with you. Fill your mind with these things. What types of things? Go through that. These are. This is a good list to learn. What things are true? What things are honest? What things are just? So justice, pure things, lovely things, good report. Okay, this is good news. These are good things. Virtuous things and praiseworthy things. Something to say. That's an incredible thing somebody did. That's an amazing thing God did. Fill your minds and your hearts with that. So here's the battlefield. Understand where your battlefield sits. For you, right there. All right? Right there. What does it sit? Right inside that foam. Because where, what's in there? Everything. Is it all true? No. <laughs> is it all uh, honest? No. Is it all just? Is it all pure? Is it all lovely? Is it all good reports? Is it all virtuous things? And you know it, and I know it, and everybody who has one knows it. But so often... We spend our time and we take it and we allow it to seep in. Right? Every little video, every little picture, every little joke, every little thing. And I'm not saying any one of those things are bad in and of itself. But here's the litmus test, right? Here's the little strip of paper to say, is this an acid or a base, right? You take that little strip of paper and you can test the pH of things. You can see the litmus paper, right? Little strip there and it turns a certain color and you check it out. You say, yep, this is it. If you litmus test it against that list, virtuous, praiseworthy, lovely things, things of justice, things of truth and good reports, right? Pure things. If that's not what's getting into your head and your brain every time you pick that thing up, be aware of what you're filling your brain with. You want the God of peace to come and stand inside of you and do those things. Well, this is what God is. He's pure. He's lovely. He's just. He's a good report, praiseworthy, and truth and honesty. He is those things. So if you want to seek out those things, you can find them on that phone. You can find Bibles on that phone. You can find Bible apps. You can find a Bible app that pops up a verse, 
every time you pick it up. <clears throat> you can find prayers that are good. You can find people that need help. You can find things that are good to talk about. And you can find out all the rest of it too. So the choice is what do you do with it? What will you fill your mind with? How will you treat your mind? The battle of your mind and spirit begins with what's in there. If it's 50% junk and 50% good, what chance do you have? 50-50 to pull out what, you know, the good stuff, right? How hard's the battle gonna be if it was more stuff that doesn't fit in that verse? And I say this not as judgment, I say it as myself too. It is easy to get in there and you can find anything and everything that your heart ever imagined and way more. And you can go down a rabbit trail that can take you out for years, get you distracted, get you to a place where you just aren't thinking right. And then I wonder why I'm stressed and I wonder why I have anxiety and what's the world gonna do and every little political thing I look at there, this is, says it's gonna do this and the world's gonna end and this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen. Well, you go back here and you say, is it what God said? Because if it's not what God said, and if it's not what God said is going to happen, then they're also not honest and also not true, right? So you check it against what God said. And if it's not what God said, throw it out. Get rid of it. You don't need that. You don't need it in your life because you'll find the more you allow those things to seep in, the harder your battle is. Right? That's what the world is. The world's full of them. Full of people that just allow everything to seep right in and they're stressed and their anxiety and they need drugs and rabbits and everything else to fix it, right? But truthfully we know that all those things may never fix those things. It may cover up their symptoms because there may be at the core of it a battle of mind and spirit. A battle for peace versus your your mind and your spirit being at war. Okay? Choose to trust in God's plan. Remember what God has done in your life. He, though it may feel like at the moment he's not right there with me, or in this situation he's not right there with me, and then fill your heart, give it over to God, make your requests known to him, and fill your heart with good things. That's the recipe for peace beyond what anybody else understands. Walking right through the fire, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I got it. No worries. God's right here with me. Right? So that's where we want to head. I say it as a challenge. I say it because it's something all of us need to work at. All of us need to give things over to God things in our life. And I don't want you battling when you're 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 with the same things that you're battling with today. Those same struggles in your mind. Because don't think they go away. They hang on for a long time. If you learn to give it over to God, if you learn to do these things and let His peace come in you, you walk a different path. You live a different life less stress, less anxiety, less depression. It's where the core of the beginning of this works from. Thank you very much.